Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Today's episode is all about what happens when you invite the most evil creature in the world back to your home city. And you bring that creature, that person, in cuffs initially. But this isn't just anybody. This situation reminds me a lot of when the Valar threw down Melkor for the first time and they decided to bring him back to Valinor so they could keep an eye on him. And in that situation, you had a group of Valar, the most powerful beings in the entire world, imprisoning one other Valar who, yes, happened to be more powerful than any of them. But altogether, they could attempt to keep Melkor in check. In this situation, you have one man deciding that he will keep Sauron, a Maya, in check. Those things are just barely comparable. We've already seen the extent of Sauron's power, manipulation, and the fact that he is the true heir to what Melkor started. How is this going to go? Well, exactly like you think it will. And today's episode, we get to dig into all of those juicy details. Our Farazan, you done messed up. Now we get to watch it unfold. These stories are so good. I just have to imagine the amount of hubris, the amount of pride that somebody like our Farazan would have to have in order to look at Sauron. And yes, absolutely. He was fooled. There was definitely some manipulation going on. But to look at Sauron, to know the history of everything that had gone on, at least according to what he was educated by through the history that he understood and the elves and and all of that. And to look at Sauron in the midst of this and go, yeah, I'm better than you. I'm more powerful. I'm the king of men. You're coming with me and we're going to keep an eye on you. And he thinks it's his idea. It says here in the text, to this Sauron assented as one constrained, like, oh, if I have to chain me up. Oh, I hate this. Yet in his secret thought, he received it gladly, for it chimed indeed with his desire. 
Sauron wanted to be captured, to be taken to the mightiest city of all men in the entire world at that time, to be able to see things from the inside, to be able to manipulate and poison it from the inside. And this is the moment where he is brought back to Numenor, and he sees Armenelos, this mighty city, at the height of its glory. And it says in the text that he was astounded. He had no real sense at this time of how this would be, what they would be like, and what they truly were capable of. And he was surprised. And this breaks away from the Rings of Power story a little bit. In the Rings of Power story, of course, he's brought there with Galadriel, and he's in the guise of a man, and all of that. Go go watch the series. It's good. It doesn't exactly follow the lore here, but it's, it's close enough. So I would expect in the series that we get a different guise for Sauron at this moment, and he's brought back to the city again. We also know when he's brought back to the city that he has an emotional reaction. His heart within was filled with more envy and hate. This is so similar again to Melkor. The idea that Melkor saw everything that was given to the elves, the amount that they were loved and taken care of, and so he hated them even more. In this situation, it's Sauron and men. It's the next generation of all of that. He sees how they've been uplifted, how they've been taken care of. And even at this aged version of Numenor, where they've declined from where they were with their worship, they still had many good things. This was still the height of their power, even though they were at this point, firmly moving away from the ways of the Valar and the elves. And so Sauron lives here among them for three years. And in three years, a lot can happen. He finds audience with the king. He uses words, flattery. He plays up Arpharazon's pride in order to manipulate him. And eventually, through sharing information, misinformation, guidance, the king begins to listen to Sauron's words. He becomes a counselor, one of the closest people to the king. And most of everybody else in the king's circle goes along with this. He appears wise. He appears helpful. But there's one who stands against it still. Amandil, Lord of Adunai, sees through this false visage. And this has echoes in the stories as well. Think about Wormtongue and Sauruman. Wormtongue was sent to Theoden in order to poison Theoden's mind. And part of the influence that Sauron has at this point is he understands who he can manipulate and who he can't. The people he can't manipulate, the elf friends, are the enemies. He can't control them. He knows they stand against him. He knows they stand with the elves and the Valar, which means he needs to convince the king 
that they are enemies. They're not just on the edges of acceptable culture. They're pushed over the edge. They are rebels. They are threatening to the power of the king. And so they must be removed. And not only is this group the enemy, but so much of the teachings of the Valar are the enemy. Sauron moves to completely revolutionize the philosophy of the Numenorians to gaslight them about what the Valar taught them, to teach them an alternate history of the way things actually are, according to Sauron, in order to manipulate them. So, for example, he repaints who the Valar are, who Melkor is, and even information about the darkness. He tells them, and out of it, the ancient darkness, the world was made, for darkness alone is worshipful, and the Lord thereof may yet make other worlds to be gifts to those that serve him, so that the increase of their power shall find no end. Let's take a look at that. What he's doing is he's basically saying that who is Eru Iluvatar? Oh, he's nothing. He's not real. He's a myth that the Valar made up. He did not make the world. The world came out of the ancient darkness, which is kind of true. And the darkness has a lord. Melkor is the lord of the darkness. And he's out there right now, out in that darkness, which is also kind of true. And he can make other worlds from that darkness. And so when you leave this world, you can go to these other worlds and you can live forever and gain more and more power with the worlds that he's creating. It sounds very tempting to the Numenorians who are looking at ways to avoid death. It also feels so true to the kinds of manipulation that are used in our own world where people try to repaint the truth into things that are more valuable for them, but which under scrutiny don't hold up at all. And Farazan was intrigued by this. He asks Sauron, who is the Lord of darkness? Then behind locked doors, Sauron spoke to the king. And this is before he was out and able to be moving around. And he lied saying, it is he whose name is not now spoken. For the Valar have deceived you concerning him, putting forward the name of Elru, a phantom devised in the folly of their hearts, seeking to enchain men in servitude to themselves. For they are the oracle of this Eru, which speaks only what they will. Meaning, he's this mysterious magical puppet that just seems to do whatever they want, which means he doesn't really exist anyway. But he that is their master shall yet prevail. And he will deliver you from this phantom, this false image of a God out there. That's somehow behind everything. And he, his name is Melkor Lord of all giver of freedom. And he shall make you stronger than they clearly false we know this is false we've just watched the entire history of the first age of the world melkor does not give freedom or at least not without some form of bargain or curse and it was at this moment 
that our Pharisee fully turns away completely from the teachings of the Valar and begins to worship the dark. And this is capitalized, the dark, capital D. And also Melkor. Now you might be wondering, turns back to worshiping the dark. He didn't worship the dark before. That's true. The Numenorians hadn't worshiped the dark at all. They had been falling away from the teachings of the Valar. But we have to think about who they are. They are a line of men. Many men in the past were deceived into worshiping Melkor, and thus the dark. And that seemed to be the way for many, or maybe even most, of mankind up until the Numenorians. The Edain were only three small tribes among many men, many of whom were deceived by Melkor. So, in Sauron's perspective, it's like he's putting them back to where the way they're supposed to be. This is what men are supposed to be like. They're supposed to be worshiping Melkor. They're supposed to be manipulated by me. And Arpharazon makes this public. He turns the worship to this new thing. He teaches everyone about the dark and, and who this actual Lord is, who will give them power and everlasting life. And most of the people follow, but there's still the remnant of the, the faithful who don't. And among them is a man, Amandil. And you've probably caught on with the whole name thing by now. Amandil has the word Amon in it, which means lover of Amon or devoted to Amon. This person's name means that they are devoted to the Valar. And this individual will be the key to the future of mankind. Because Amandil is also of the line of Arendil. He just didn't end up in the ruling line like the kings. There are many descendants. And Amandil is a father and a grandfather. His son is a name that you might recognize. Elendil. And Elendil is the father of Isildur and Anarion, a very important line of individuals who will change the story forever. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, OK, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. 
Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons and our newest patrons include a number of individuals, including Darren L. Welcome to the Patreon. Elvind S. Larry and Maja R. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're enjoying the ad free episodes or the bonus episodes or eventually the t-shirts and all of that stuff because there's lots of cool stuff to get on the patreon and we also have to shout out our vip patrons here we go let's see if i can get through this list <laughs> as quickly as possible ak music lover anakin skywalker austin c azel razzle bow black squirrel brad s brandy d chewbacca david s david m drupal esoteric rage fulcrum gavin laugh Gemma, jesse p katie s capenna larry Michael E, Nick K, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Rivqua, Sam B, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Tour Son of Hoor, Tyler M, Wes P, Who Let the Juan Out. Thank you, all of you, for being here as part of the VIP patrons and everybody else who supports the show. All 179 of you. Wow. Um, <laughs> you guys know I couldn't do this without you, and you know that it's over at patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast if you're interested in helping to keep this going and getting some cool stuff while you do that. Um, we will be continuing our uh, conversation in the bonus episode today. Usually I go back and forth between digging into more of a topic or a meta topic or answering some of the questions and kind of seeing where that goes. I think we've got a lot of responses. So I want to get back to answering some questions and continuing some of that, that conversational side of the, uh, the bonus episodes. So stay tuned for that after the show. If you are one of the patrons who gets the bonus episodes. Also, we have a review that came in. And of course, if you leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. This one, comes from Oakenshield 101. That's a good name. I wonder what that has a, is a reference to. Uh, they're from Canada and they write L-O-T-R five stars. Always loved Lord of the Rings and always wanted to learn more about it. Thanks so much for creating this podcast so that I can delve deeper into my favorite story on Earth. It's kind of interesting that you used delve deeper and your name is Oakenshield like a dwarf. I wonder if that was intentional. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that. And also you can rate the show on Spotify and leave comments on each of the episodes and all sorts of other things like join us on the discord and chat more about any of the speculation you have about the lore and what it means. So thank you so much for all of your support, everybody. All right, let's move on with the rest of the story about Sauron in Numenor. Here we go. So we finally have a good character showing up in this episode, or at least a character with good intentions. I mean, there's always the debate about, you know, is somebody good or is only the actions they do? Can those only be judged as good or evil? And so that's a good question. That actually plays into some of what I'm going to be talking about here in a moment with Isildur, because we know Isildur fails later on 
he cuts the ring off of Sauron's finger and can't give it up. And this could have changed the entire story. So often, at least in my own perspective, and I would imagine many of other people, when, when you think of Isildur, you remember that. You see him as a failure. But he wasn't always a failure. He just failed the most important test toward the end of his story. But we haven't heard the rest of his story yet. The beginning part. He didn't start selfish. He was a grandson of Amundil. And Amundil and Farazan were actually close in their youth. They were friends. Amundil, even though he ideologically was different from Farazan, was still close to Farazan. In fact, Farazan, even though he knew Amundil was an elf friend, still let him sit on the council. Still kept him close to his side. Now, was that because he was watching him like he thought he was doing with Sauron? Maybe. Or maybe they grew up together and they had a certain amount of long-time affection because they were friends. But at this point, he's dismissed. Sauron's influence has taken hold. And Amandil no longer has a role in the council. And to Amandil's credit, he was well-known by the people. Even if he ideologically was different from the majority of them, they respected him. He was a great sea captain. He passed on a lot of that knowledge to his son and his grandchildren. But when he was outed from the council, the town he was from, Romena, and it says here, and all that he trusted still to be faithful, he summoned to come thither in secret, for he feared that evil would now grow apace, and all the elf friends were in peril. And he was right. He was reading the room absolutely correctly. And it goes on. And soon it came to pass, for the Menotarma was utterly deserted in those days, and though not even Sauron dared to defile the high place, yet the king would let no man, upon pain of death, ascend to it not even those of the faithful who kept Iluvatar in their hearts. And Sauron urged the king to cut down the white tree, Nimloth the fair, that grew in his courts, for it was a memorial to the Eldar and the light of Valinor. So Amandil draws together everybody who is still of the true old faith, and then finds out that Sauron is trying to convince Farazan to cut down the tree. And they know that this is dangerous because it was prophesied that the death of the tree would be the end of Numenor. And initially the king would not go along with this. So the tree and everything remained where it was, in the center of Numenor, but nobody could visit anymore. It was off-limits. And Amandil speaks with Elendil, Isildur, his children, his grandchildren, and shares with them that this might be a thing that happens, that Farazan might be swayed to cut down the tree. And we get this really great moment with Isildur. Isildur said no word, but went out by night and did a deed for which he was afterwards renowned. 
for he passed alone in disguise to Armenelos and to the court of the kings, which were now forbidden to the faithful. And he came to the place of the tree, which was forbidden to all by the orders of Sauron. At this point, Sauron can even give orders. That's how close he is to the king. And the tree was watched day and night by guards in his service. At that time, Nimloth was dark and bore no bloom, for it was late in the autumn. And I think this might be a double entendre. It may have also been the time of the year, but it was in the autumn of the tree as well. And its winter was nigh. Notice its winter, not winter in general. And Isildur passed through the guards and took from the tree a fruit that hung upon it. It didn't have any blooms. It didn't have any flowers, but there was still some fruit. And he turned to go. But the guard was aroused, and he was assailed, and fought his way out, receiving many wounds, and he escaped, and because he was disguised, it was not discovered who had laid hands on the tree. But Isildur came at last, hardly back to Ramena, and delivered the fruit to the hands of Amundil, ere his strength failed him. At this point, he is wounded. He took many wounds fighting the guards in order to escape. And he's, it looks like he's in decline. It looks like he may not make it. Then the fruit was planted in secret. And it was blessed by Amundil. This is also interesting. This idea that Amundil can bless the seed that's inside this fruit of this great tree that goes all the way back to the trees of Valinor. This feels like an elven kind of thing in a way. And they are the line of Arendil. And so they, you know, similar to somebody like Aragorn having these kind of elf-like abilities, even though he's a man, it's kind of what's going on here. Let's go back to the text. And then it says, and a shoot arose from it and sprouted in the spring. But when its first leaf opened, then Isildur, who had lain long and come near to death, like months of being bedridden with his wounds at this point, arose and was troubled no more by his wounds. There's this thing going on here where you have Farazan being influenced by Sauron and being able still to look at a physical tree that was planted there by the Valar, knowing the history of his people, almost 3,000 years of actual literal history, knowing that that stuff was fact, having objective evidence of a tree in his own backyard that shows the power of the Valar. And yet still rejecting what he sees with his very own eyes because of the influence of Sauron and because of his own pride and hubris. And here we have a situation where Isildur, the grandson of Amundil, a man close to Farazan, defies the orders of the king, goes to the tree, takes one of the fruit, brings it back, and Amundil plants 
one of the seeds. And that seed is so powerful that it heals Isildur. Objective evidence of the pure power of the Valar, of the original light of the trees, right there. And yet the king, and although he doesn't witness this happening, knows on some level that that's the truth. That's why he's so unsure about cutting down the tree yet, because it's tied to his line. He hasn't completely fallen for everything Sauron is doing. But that's only a matter of time. And we'll get into that on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.